Playball, how's it going? It's going alright. It's not too bad. It's fine. Fine. Continuing to exist. So you what, this week off has been awful. (laughs) It's actually been awful. It's been so awful. Like like I said to you a minute ago, start watching Lord of the Rings again. Don't know why. Must have watched it twenty or thirty times. Yeah, well, when there's literally nothing to do outside, why not rewatch something to remind you of when things were less awful? Yeah. It is still getting to the point where I'm like, right, I actually need to like go and get a shower and get dressed and like at least go for a walk. Yep, you're uh, you're off for a week, I'm off for a month and I'm already bored to tears. Yeah, that's true. And it's only like a week and a half in. Jesus. (laughs) What have you been doing this week anyway? Fucking nothing. I have been for many, many walks. I've been keeping track of my steps. I did like 20,000 steps the other day. That was nice. Lovely, that. Yeah. Very nice. Because it's one of the only things that we're actually able to do. And one of the benefits of living like two minutes from a park is you can have a nice wander. I started watching a film the other day on Netflix. Oh. I thought it was going to be a very different film than what it actually turned out to be. What did you watch? It's called Overlord. Oh, I think. Is it about Nazis? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a Saving Private Ryan type film. That it's just going to be like the English or the Americans just, you know, winning a battle. No. Is it is it the one where it's like mostly around this like German bunker? Pretty much, yeah. Yep, yeah, I know the one. I was just like, what the... Because like 20 minutes in, like they get into this house in this like little village in France and like this woman that's, it's like her house, she's like, my mum's in there, she's very sick, don't go in there. I was thinking of a different film. Now I know the film you're on about, and I fucking love that film. It's ridiculous. It's essentially Nazi vampires, isn't it? No, na- na- Nazi uh, zombies. I think it's closer to vampires. Give me a minute. Uh, Overlord, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely vampires. 100%. You've greatly misunderstood this film. Oh, definitely, definitely like zombies. I'm sure that they mention how they're turning them into zombies. Alright, I'll... They're undead. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> they're undead. They're like, we're both right. Fine, whatever. But yeah, it's a great film. I really like that film. I was like... Yeah, it just got to the point like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What is actually fucking going on here? It's like, stopping people dying using this special toy that's under the village in France. It's, it's the magic goo. The magic goo. It's the magic kill the English goo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I watched that. I was just like, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know what to think of this. This is fucking weird. And spent majority of the film going with the main guy in it going, 
recognise him, but I don't know where from. Have you seen Terminator Genesis? Yes. I'm fairly sure he's John Connor in that. He is also in 22 Jump Street. I mean, like, the blonde guy. Yeah, I'm... another guy you mean. I have not... I've seen 21 Jump Street, and that was fine. I haven't seen the second one. Oh, how have you not seen the second one? Because I didn't really care for the first one. It was fine, but... The second one's brilliant. When literally everyone has said, my name Jeff, a million times, to the point where it is not ever going to be funny again. I've had enough. <laughs> I don't care about the sequel. You can't just be put off because yes, of I one can. line. I no, can. I'm not having it. If I have to fucking sit here and force you to watch it, I will do. I will fight you, bitch. And you will lose. Try me. <laughs> Try me, bitch. Leave my house. <laughs> Try me, bitch. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I've not really watched anything else except for Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. Have you seen the Star Trek cartoon that's out? No, but <coughs> that sounds ridiculous. It's not about anybody in command. It's literally about people who do the menial tasks. It's called Star Trek Lower Decks and it's about the people who do all like the, the grunt work. It's pretty funny. You know, I might have to give that a watch, considering, you know... There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. It's literally TV and walked in the park. Neither of it's fun. Jesus. Literally, like... If, if you'd have told little, like, 13-year-old me that, oh, Callum, uh, in the year 2020, you're going to get, like, nine months off, and you're going to get paid for it, I'd be like, oh, fucking, yeah, loving this. And then you realise it's literally the worst. Doing my fucking nothing. Because I can't do anything. I really like to go bowling. It's not even that I like to do it. It's I like to have the option. <laughs> I like to be able to walk ten minutes down the road and go bowling. If I'd have told the 15-year-old version of me, 2020, you get to sit home for a week and do fuck all, watch TV and... Well, watch Netflix and play video games. I would have loved that idea. Now I fucking hate it. Yeah. Because that's literally all I did at, like, 15. Played football manager, played video games, and watched shit TV. I remember, like, back in the day, I think it's because nowadays... I, you, I don't have any work to do when I'm not at work. Whereas in high school, you had homework. So video games were that perfect distraction, and it was distracting enough that you'd forget that you had to do the homework for a little bit. It was delaying the panic attack. But now I have nothing to do at home, so I have nothing to avoid doing. So video games just lost that little bit of appeal. Because I love them. I love playing a bit, like, really getting into one, but it's been so long since I've actually really gotten into something. I don't think we're into the same video games at all. No, we're, like, you play like the FIFAs and the, the shoot-bang games. The shoot-bang games. And like Halo, I really enjoyed Halo Online, but I will never touch a Call of Duty just because it doesn't appeal to me. To be fair, the only reason that I play Call of Duty is because other people that I get on with play Call of Duty. I, I... quite play with 
play Call of Duty by myself, it boys the fuck out of me. I play video games to avoid people. <laughs> so, like, I'll happily play solo Halo for six hours and shoot people I don't know. I will not play video games to hang out with people. I do it to avoid people. Unless it's Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead's great. Fucking love me some Left 4 Dead fighting with other people. I don't think I've ever played Left 4 Dead. Oh, Left 4 Dead's great. Like, it's actually, like... You, you never played Evolve, did you? No. It's a very similar concept. It's a group of four or however many survivors or army men or whatever you want to say versus in Left 4 Dead it's an army of zombies and then other players can play as special infected, so different kinds of zombies that have different abilities. Yeah. And the survivor's job is just to survive to the end. Like, get to the end of the level. That's literally it. Evolve, it was four versus one. So it was four, like, survivors, essentially, versus one big monster. Yeah. There's a few other games that have come out like that, like uh, Vermintide is the Warhammer version of that, where it's, again, Plague of Zombies or Ratmen or whatever. I think the only zombie game that I've actually ever got into is Seven Days to Die. I hate games like that. I can't play them. I struggle. Like, M Minecraft is the only game like that that I can do. Like, I can do Minecraft because it's solo. I can take my time. I don't have to worry about anything. I can go and mine my diamonds and just chill out for a bit. I can't deal with other resource management games where I have to, like, keep a track of literally everything. I... I just forget, and then I'm like, oh, I'm dying. Fine. Fair enough. Love watching it. Absolutely love watching people play it. Just can't play it myself. Just trying to think of other games that I regularly get. Apart from, even like Call of Duty, I don't get everyone. Uh, I get the odd one. FIFA, not even bought this year's FIFA. It's fucking shit. It's because it's... FIFA is... Practically the same game every year. Uh, they don't really add anything new, do they? It's because I think I know that like NBA, the the two K games, they're basically the same game every two years because there's not really enough time to make a video game in a year and make it okay. So they make two games. They make one game, split it in half. And it's really similar with a few little tweaks. So yeah. they'll release like 2K19 and it'll be an alright game. And then 2K20 is practically the same game with a few little extras because they've had an extra year to put stuff into it. Yeah. But while they've got like the A team working on 19 and 20, you've got the B team working on 21 and 22. Yeah. So then they alternate shuffling forward so... You're never actually working on a game for a year. You're working on, like, two games over two years. Yeah. But there's not enough time to make any realistic difference. There'll be a difference between 20 and 21, because they've had, like, two years to work on 21. But then 22, they've only had a year to add stuff to, and it won't be as good. Yeah. Well, not even not as good. It just won't be different enough to warrant existing. Yeah. Just want to think of other games that I get. Assassin's Creed, I tend to get them when they come out, but 
just the fucking controls always fucking wind me up. They change it every fucking time. It pisses me off now. Like the first ten games, the controls were always the same. Yep. Except for the odd tweak here and there, they were always the same. Now each one's consistently very different with the fucking controls. Because back in the day, it was very similar to the the Arkham games. That's how their fight system worked. And that was a popular series of games at the time. It was a system that worked. Fuck it, everyone's enjoying it. Let's go with that. Then later down the line, all of a sudden Dark Souls blows up. Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 have come out. Everyone is used to that control scheme, which at the time was really different and strange. All of a sudden people are used to it and people like it and it's functional because it's more than just match X to not die. So yeah. Assassin's Creed goes, we'll give that a go. And it works. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I don't disagree with, like, fucking L1 to block and fucking R1 to melee attack and R2 for heavy attack. But do that consistently, which they fucking haven't done. Because one game would be, like, L1 to block. Next game would be, like, L1, R1 to fucking block. And then the fucking next one, it's, like, fucking circle to block. Just fucking stick with the same button layout, for fuck's sake. It's not hard. I think I think games need to adapt. If they don't adapt, why bother getting a new one? Just play the same game again if you enjoy it so much. Well, no, because I like the new story that comes with it. Fuck your story. You don't deserve <laughs> it. No, I like a new story. But, you know, I like I also like a bit of consistency in how the buttons are laid out. If they want to upgrade it every five games or every three games, <laughs> that is fine. But don't change it with every fucking game because it pisses me off. Because I can't then go back to the old game and play because I've got to readjust to the fucking controls that I need to relearn again to get halfway decent. That's why I like driving games. Driving games is always the same controls. They never change. Yeah, fair. It's one one thing that Halo did actually before Halo came out. Shoot, shoot, shooter controls different every game. Every game it, it could be oh it's a click the stick in to look down the sights and it's A to shoot and it'll be trigger to crouch. Halo came in and went yeah left trigger look down sights right trigger shoot bang. Go shoot. Then every game after it was like yep it works fine. Stick with that. Yeah, if it works, it works. Stick with it. And then let the occasional shitty game try it. Like Dark Souls, that I will never get into because it's just ridiculous. Well, that's an episode for another day. That's an episode for another day because I love Dark Souls. Let Dark Souls, a Dark Souls, every 10 or 15 years or 5 years or whatever it is, come in with new controls. And if they're better, every other game follows it. But it's got to stay consistent. Alright, which do you prefer, that controls-wise? Because there's two. There's one specific control that I find really finicky and changes game to game and it's kind of annoying. B to crouch or clicking the stick. I prefer the... I prefer circle. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I prefer circle. I don't mind the stick. I, B, 
because again, it's like going to Dark Souls a little bit, but Dark Souls doesn't have a crouch system in any way. There's no crouching, there's no sneaking. Well, there's kind of sneaking, but not really. But to run in the game, it was either in Dark Souls 1, it was B. You had to hold B down to run. Yeah. They changed it uh, because. Because you can jump in Dark Souls, but you never should because it's awful and it's dog shit. To run in Dark Souls 1, you had to be running and then lift your finger off the run button and then click it again and you would do a little jump. And it was shit. It was the worst. In Dark Souls 2, they changed it. So you could jump at any time by clicking the stick in. So you didn't have to move your finger. You didn't have to move it around. You didn't have to like mash your button to try and jump. They just changed it. So boom, click, you've jumped. Hated it. It was way worse. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I had to stick with the city controls because I was used to it. Yeah, no, I think I preferred like circle crouch because I'm very heavy handed at the best of times. <laughs> and the last thing I want to be doing is fucking sprinting through a map and then all of a sudden I'm trying to sneak around and crouch. Well, I've got used to Call of Duty now because when you click down L3 when you're running, he fucking sprints. It's great. Yeah, I don't mind that if it's a toggle. Don't mind toggling run with the stick. Like, I want to be running. Oh, no, I want to slow down a bit, clicking the stick. I hate it. Absolutely fucking hate it. Like, I'm fairly sure Halo Reach introduced a sprint button and it was clicking the stick. But it wasn't a toggle. It was... Clicking the stick to run for three seconds. And then three seconds later, you've got to click it again. It's like, I'm never going to not click it. Just let me toggle. Don't make me keep click the fucking button. That's that's what always gets me with Call of Duty. Because you, you're literally playing as like a marine. Who's supposed to be like one of the fittest people in the world. Really good shooter. And you, you click, you, you're like jogging forwards. And you press it down while jogging. And he sprints for like five seconds. Yep. And you're going, that is so... He's literally sprinted for ten yards. I could do better than that. I'm <laughs> massively out of shape. See, Dark Souls has a stamina bar. I understand. I get it. You're a lot of the time going to be in a big suit of armour, so I get only being able to run for so long, then you've got to chill out for a minute. Other games, bullshit. Bullshit, because no one Call of Duty, you've got all the body armour on, but... It's your fucking job. It's yeah. your job to be that man. Literally, like, you're being, like, an SAS soldier. Like, are you honestly telling me that an SAS soldier can only fucking job sprint for 20 yards with all his gear on? Bollocks. Them guys, like, go sprinting down a three-mile beach and don't slow <laughs> down. That is what they do. The mental... I don't think the game represents that at all, and it pisses me off. Another thing I'm really bored of is Warzone. Yeah. Sick of it now. Just done with it. Sick of it. You know, like when you have, you have that like one favorite piece of food, and you eat it too much to the point yeah. where even the smell of it knocks you sick. That's what I'm like with Warzone now. Like, even someone... I'm like, right, no, I'm not playing it. not playing it. Done. I'm done. I'm sick of it. So I'm playing online every night with one of my mates. 
Oh, I'm not playing Warzone. I can't. I can't be doing with it. It's still made in now. I'm just bored. Let's do some team death matches and other stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And when the other lads jumps in, comes on later on. He's not got PlayStation Live or whatever it's called. So it's like I can only play on Warzone. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you then. Fuck you then. You know, like, I paid the five pounds <laughs> for live for the month. It's five pounds. I'm like. I can't afford it. I'm starting up my own business. I'm like, I'm like, fuck right, love. You're literally on like six grand a year and more than me. And you're telling me that you can't afford five pounds for the month. Is that Mitch? Yeah. Fucking yeah. Mitch. I'm going to name him and shame him. It's Mitch. It's like, well, I'm starting up my own business. I'm like, fuck off, T-shirt man. <laughs> All right. I'm starting up my own business so I can't afford £5 a month. How about you get rid of your really expensive car? That'll save you £5 a month. He's already got the expensive car. Yeah, get rid of it. Silly. You can, <laughs> you can, play, you can buy PlayStation Live for the rest of your life selling that car. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Ridiculous. But he loves Warzone. He loves it and it's free. Of course he loves it. It's fucking free. It's saving him money. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I cannot be doing with it. It drives me insane. And I'm shit at it anyway, so... Well, you're not going to get good at it if you're shit at it. And you don't try. I don't want to be good at it. <laughs> I actually don't want to be good at Warzone. I don't... I haven't... I used to be, like, back when I was... Heavily unemployed. Heavily unemployed. Like, really just didn't give a shit levels of unemployment. Uh, for me, it I went between... It was TF2 for a long, long time. Team Fortress 2. Okay. Fucking love Team Fortress 2. Great game. Absolutely, like, for me, flawless. Then I moved over to uh, Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead 2. Always fun. Shooting Zambambos. Always fun. And then I moved over onto Dark Souls and Dark Souls killed everything else for me. Because I got really into it. I'm like that with Football Major. Mm. And the worrying thing about Football Major is each year they bring out a new game. And each year I spend over a thousand hours playing this. I literally have no fucking life. I have, again, from severe unemployment when I got really into Dark Souls, and this was just Dark Souls 1, I spread over my PC account and my Xbox account and my PS3 account. I had... It was in the realm of, like, 4,000, 5,000 hours. Yeah. It was a lot. It's, like, literally months of time dedicated yeah. to it. I literally have thousands of hours of this year's FM that I've played while being fully employed and not having very much time off, except for like this week where I've had like a week off. I haven't really had... Yeah, like, you've had no time off for like the past... the past uh, pandemic, really. Yeah, I have like... the I tend to like spread my holidays out like a day here, day there, yeah. a couple of days a year. Like, I think, except for this week, the only time that I've had like booked off more than one day was in July for my birthday where I had, like, the yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday booked off. 
I uh, I annoy people I work with because I as soon as I can book my holidays, I book them because it's yep. the same every year. It's like a week off my birthday, a week off for Becca's birthday, Boxing Day because I go see my dad. Yeah, it's pretty much it. And then me and her all plan a few things in advance, like oh, uh, we've got a gig that we'll go to in February. All right, I'll book that bit of February off. That's it. That's yeah. And then then every now and again, it's like oh, I'll I'll a four day weekend. Sod it. I'll uh, I'll take those four days off, and that's it. Yeah, I really want to go to more gigs. I haven't been to a gig in years, like a proper gig that of a like a big band, and I really want to. I can never be asked organising it. Yeah, Becca's uh, Becca's sister won six tickets to go to a music festival in Birmingham next year. Yeah, and she didn't want to go. So, so she, she entered the competition if she didn't want to go. I think she she wanted to go, but then she won them, and she was like, "Oh, actually, I'm." I don't want to leave my kids for like three days with somebody else. She's just not comfortable with it for whatever reason. So she Fair gave enough. the tickets to us. It was just like a £13 booking fee and six tickets. So if it's on, we'll be going. Yeah. But, you know, it's February. So that's like four months away. Three months away. Fuck. Uh, don't know yet. Hopefully they announce it as cancelled soon. Because otherwise I've got to like book a hotel. And that, with itself, in this current climate, is a pain in the fucking ass. Well, I imagine it'd be all right, but because they've had long enough to do something, like oh yeah, we've taken these precautions, so we can still accept everybody who's coming. But I've just heard nothing from them. Jesus. Yeah, I think like the only kind of giggy type thing that I've real realistically been to is Rock Prest in more like. The last couple of years, and even then, that's like free and yeah, or practically free. You're just going to pay the booking fee, which is like a couple of quid. Mm. Need to start going to. We should go to the ferret when that uh, when it's reopened. Stuff's actually going on because they're having like constant stuff every night. Yeah, did I tell you about the time that I went to Ships and Giggles and there were a guy on stage because they do it on like a Thursday night, yeah. which is like a student night where. People get up and it's like an open mic type oh, of thing. Yeah. And me and one of my old housemates went, I'm sure it was like on a Thursday night or a Friday night. And, uh, you know, like a guy with like just like a guitar, just I can't even remember what he was singing. It was, it was decent. I think he, I think it was like a mix of his own stuff and then like covers. Yeah. And one of the covers that he was doing. A random guy breaks out a violin and just stop, just fucking joins in. <laughs> me and my housemate are like, what is going on here? Like, this guy just, like, stood next to the bar. Oh, right, I know this. I'll join in with my violin. <laughs> and then, like, just while playing, just wanders over to the stage and just gets up on stage, carries on playing. Fucking hell. What is going on here? And then midway through... And I shouldn't say this because it's kind of horrible, but my housemate went, did you see that dwarf that walked past? <laughs> what? What? You're like, there were a dwarf. You went out in the fucking area. I'm like, really? I didn't see her. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she literally walks over there. I'm like, all right, fair enough. And then like five minutes later, he gave me a nudge and there she was walking back. I'm like, this is such a random night out. Man with violin? Short person, got everything. Yeah. Alrighty. 
We had a, a slight interlude to piss and get a cup of tea, but we both have tea now, so we can continue. Yeah, so... On another note, because I got sick of me, uh, me background on my laptop, mm. I'll just update it to this cover right for the podcast. It's, it's fine, it's functional. Yeah, because like, I've never really messed around with my background on my laptop. I'm only saying that because I can see yours. Yeah, I I get a PC or a laptop, I change it once, and then that's pretty much me set for forever. I don't really spend much time staring at the desktop. I normally have something open. Yeah. So mine's been just like the colour black for... Like, since I got it like 10 years ago. That actually makes me a bit sad. I can't deal with just... Like this, I've got like purple spacey clouds. It's funny, I like it, it's functional. Yeah. It's like with my iPhone. Ne- never changed the background on my iPhone. It's been the same stock photo since I've had the phone. Jesus. And I think, why would I bother changing it? Weirdly, like, I... um. When I, when I got my phone... There was a special offer where you also get like the Samsung Watch, like the Samsung Galaxy Active Watch, and the watch that I got, like you can change the watch face. So I changed it to like this nice little space one. It's like a nice little blue space scene. I think I've seen it. Yeah. And there's there's no numbers on it, but there's a planet that like travels around the outside that is the biggest the biggest of the dots. Then there's a comet that is the the minute hand, and then there's a smaller one that goes around a lot quicker. That's the that's the second hand. Nearly impossible to read. Really fucking difficult. But I got my phone case to match it Jesus. because I really liked it. Not really functional as a watch, then, is it really? Oh no, I can read it. It takes me a second, but I'm like, yeah, it's probably three. <laughs> it's pro- might be three. I've nowhere to fucking be. Why would it matter? <laughs> That's true. You furloughed bitch. No. <laughs> I was half tempted to get a job at a factory, so I just sort of got something to do. Jesus. Like, imagine me, laziest cunt of all. Like, oh yeah, I would like a job, please. I would <laughs> like somewhere to go to work. I would like to come here... Pick things up and move them to another place. Give me a goddamn purpose. I wonder what that was there. Scary outside. Scary outside. Oh, I've still got Red Bull. Ah. Let's see what's going in the news. Fucking nothing, mate. Nothing. I guarantee you it's all COVID and... More, uh, probably a little bit of Joe Biden. That's what I'm guessing. Just continued pain. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and I was right. It's all fucking bullshit. So there's, like, I know I've not watched anything new. Is there anything coming out that you're excited to watch? Ooh, actually, no, fuck it. I did watch something. I watched Auntie Donna's Big House of Fun, which I showed you a little bit of earlier. Yeah. And I explained that Auntie Donna, hilarious. Uh, someone I follow on Twitter, uh, she was saying, oh yeah, I absolutely love Auntie Donna. I've been watching them since 1999, which sounds like a long time ago, but it's actually just four years. What? They had a, they had a series they did on YouTube, and it's all like sketches about working in an office. 
coming up to the year 2000. Like, the, the last sketch they do is the New Year's Eve party for 2000. So the series is called 1999. But it came out five years ago. Like, four or five years ago. It's just... Oh, the yeah, name of the series they did. And they did a series that's all like based around a, a primary school as well. But yeah, Annie Dyer's Big House of Fun. It's great. It's six episodes. It's got an all-star cast. It's got Weird Al in it at one point. It's fantastic. But like the 70s show, that technically finished on the stroke of midnight, 1980. Jeez. That's how it finishes. Hmm. Well, it can't be the 70s show after that, can it? No, because it's yeah. in the 1980s. And that's literally how they finished it. And all that, because I saw it on Facebook. Facebook. So, like, the video and someone explained it. The only thing that I'm actually looking forward to is Kevin Hart has got another stand-up coming to Netflix later this month. Ooh. It's like next... For some reason, it's like next Tuesday. Some reason I don't really watch many stand-ups, and the stand-ups that I do watch are almost always ones I've already I've already watched. Like I will go back and watch any Bill Bailey stand-up and fucking love it. Uh, Stephen Merchant as well. He's got a couple of good ones. I don't think I've actually watched any Stephen Merchant stand-up. It was a great joke about him being taller than you, because he is. He's fucking huge. He's like, oh, how tall are you, mate? And he's like, oh, uh, I'm I'm five foot eleven. So, like, oh, what do you do for a living? So, oh, I work in IT. It's like, all right, well, I'm just going to hunch down until I'm five foot ten. I'll just be you for a day. and I'll be a tiny little man. Because he's like five foot nine. Not five foot nine. He's like six foot nine. He's huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah. The only things that I've ever really watched him in, I watched the podcast that he did with Ricky Gervais and... Carl Pilkington. Carl Pilkington. Fantastic. Lovely. I listened to all of them before they turned it into the, the, the fucking... The Ricky Gervais show. I, I watched the Ricky Gervais show. I didn't listen to any of the podcasts. I'd listened to all the podcasts. The only reason that I'd listened... To the, it was literally the fir first podcast I'd ever listened to. And I only listened to it because my me, me brother got me into it. And I was like, this Paul Pilkington has got to be the stupidest, cleverest person that I know. It's the part of the reason that I think people absolutely love Carl Pilkington and the amount of shit that he talks is because you kind of understand what he's getting at. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't explain it very well. No, like he's talking shit and <laughs> you know exactly what he means, but Ricky Gervais cannot contemplate his idiocy. Yeah, I think, I think everyone kind of gets what he's trying to get at but just how he gets those hilarious and Ricky Gervais just fucking winds him up for it. Yep. And it's brilliant. You ever watched Black Mirror? Uh, I've watched... I've watched a few episodes. Uh, so obviously the Prime Minister one with the yep. pig. Yep. Watched Bandit. that one. Watched the one where they get coins for cycling or exercising Yeah, or that's another season one one, I think. So I think it's mostly season one that I've watched. I think All right. In one of the more recent episodes, the more recent seasons, there is an episode that you may find familiar. Do you remember uh, in one of the podcasts with Ricky Gervais and uh, Carl Pilkins, and Carl Pilkins talking about a film that he'd like to make, where the gist of the film is that I think uh, there's a couple and the man gets into an accident. 
And then the doctor says to the ladies, like, oh, well, his brain's not quite dead yet. We can put half of his brain in, in your brain. We can we can get it in there. So you'd be, like, sharing a body, but, like, it'll still be around. It'll be in your head. And Ricky Gervais is saying, this is absolute nonsense. This is not interesting. This is absolute dog shit. It's absolute wank, Carl. You're an idiot. It's an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> where there's a couple and they have a, they have a daughter. And... Uh, all of a sudden, the, the woman is in an accident. But the doctor goes, oh, we can put her in your head if you want. <laughs> uh, and they do. And the, the, it's a full episode of Black Mirror, and it's fucking amazing. It's a really good episode. And it's exactly what Carl Pilkington said. Like, yeah. actually 100%. So, uh, I don't know why one's reminded me of the other. But have you ever... I can't really remember what it's called. It's like something like called Real Carbon or something like that. Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. Yeah. That actually might be... We might actually be able to do that in the, sometime in like the next 10 years. It's, it is a moment in time that hasn't happened yet, but it is referred to as the singularity. I'm fairly sure that's what it's, that's what it's called. In science fiction and otherwise, it's called the singularity, which is where you are a theoretical point in time where we are going to be able to transfer a human consciousness into a computer. Yeah. That, that is the... Soon as that happens, sure. We're there. As soon as that... Like, that's another, like, actual thing in Black Mirror. Like this whole episode that is really weird and you're jumping through time and you're not really sure what's going on. Turns out that all the people in this place, like, it is essentially heaven. Okay. It is, everyone's got like a little chip on the side of their head that beams them into this VR scape where they get to be whoever they want to be, all that. Yeah. But it gives you the option, it's like, oh, when you're about to pass away, we can just transfer your consciousness into this place. Yeah. Heaven is now a real place. Yeah. You're tran- you can transfer your consciousness into this place just before you die. So you can live forever and you can leave when you want. Like, it's an actual thing that is if we ever get to the point where we can transfer human consciousness, yeah, heaven exists. Boom, we're done. Someone just needs to be alive to take care of the hard drives. Yeah, well, uh, Elon Musk is pretty pretty close, actually. Yeah, he's getting there. Elon yeah. Musk and his uh, genetically engineered cat girls. What? <laughs> that, that's a whole other thing, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's Neuralink, isn't it? That's what he's doing with Neuralink. Yep. Which I've tried to explain to my dad several times now. I'm not 100% sure he can wrap his head around it. But within saying that, I'm not sure that I can wrap my head around it. It's a difference between... Because uh, I don't think you understand how it works. I don't think you could... Like, Bill Bailey's got a joke. He's like, oh, yeah, if you could uh, travel back in time, what one thing would you t- would you try and explain to everyone if you went back? Like, medieval times. Like, go back to the plane and try and explain stuff to someone. What would you explain? It's like, oh, I'd, oh, I'd tell about refrigerators and how they're amazing. It's like, okay, how do you explain a refrigerator? It's, it's like a cold cupboard. All right, but what makes it cold? It's... Oh, it plugs in the wall, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it plugs in the wall. But what, what, but what about making it go into the wall does make it cold? I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to explain a fridge. Exactly. So, like, I understand the concept of Neuralink. 
Can't explain how it works, but I can tell you the concept. Yeah, so I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast when I think he was on it, and he pretty much explains it all there, and what he will be able to achieve with it over the next 10, 20, 30 years. I'm like, that is absolutely bonkers. That shouldn't be an achievable thing. The future is now. You would have crashed your flying car anyway. Yeah, that's always a funny one for me because everyone's like, "Oh, when when a flying cars a thing," I'm like, "We have flying cars. They're called helicopters." Yep, it's just they're not far too much. Like energy needs to go in for like a reasonable output. Yeah, and they'd be loud as fuck. Yep. So yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, fuck. I, yeah, it's all fucking bonkers. I can't keep up with like technology anymore." I've given up. I'm only 26. Yep. The issue with me is, like, I went through a phase of being really interested in technology and how things were adapting. But my issue with it is, when I was, like, 15, I was looking at stuff that's super interesting, but it's not going to actually become of any use to any actual human for, like, 10 years, because they need to perfect their little bit. Like, uh, one that I was watching, like, 10 years ago on YouTube. It's a guy describing... um, the way he showed it off is he had a camera pointed at him and on his little bit of software he scanned his three fingers. Yeah. So just three fingers put together so kind of making a triangle and he dragged dragged over it and now that camera would follow his two, his three fingers put together. Yeah. Opened his hand it's no longer following him because that's not what it's been told to follow. Three fingers together ooh, it knows that. Yeah. That technology is coming to pass like now. Like actually coming into stuff now, like um, like you can get drone, you can buy drones for dirt cheap that you can tell to follow something. That's where that technology has ended up. It's so far down the road that it's boiled down to oh yeah, it's a little thing for entertainment. But that's also the kind of stuff that will be how drones work. Yeah, so right, that's going to get so militarized. It's oh, yeah. unreal. It's probably already ours, to be honest. There was a uh, there was a short horror film, like very short. I think it was only about twelve minutes long. That uh, it was shown as like a TED talk kind of deal. That's Elon Musk kind of guy describing. Yep, drones are fucking terrifying. Yep, because all you need is facial recognition technology, a drone, and you put a handgun on that drone. Yeah. All of a sudden, you can assassinate almost anybody on the planet, and you're never going to be able to find out who did it. Pretty much, yeah, because you don't even need to have a fucking like signal, dear. Nope. You don't. You don't even realistically need to control it. You just need to give it go to these coordinates, find this face, Bang. kill it. Yep. Done. And then also, if you just fit it with a self detonation thing, boom, go up really high, blow up. Shrapnel is far enough spread out that you're not going to find any useful bit. Even if it blows up quite low down, you're not realistically going to be able to salvage anything from it, realistically. Let's see if you can get a hard drive or something, because you, surprisingly, you can get a lot from a hard drive, even when it's fucked. Like, if, yeah. the, if the police or MI5 or the FBI want to know what was on your fucking hard drive, they will find out what was on your hard drive. Like, you can burn them. They'll still find out. You have to grind it to dust to get away with anything. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like there's a 
Again, I was showing you Linus Tech Tips earlier. He gets sponsored by, um, say, Disk Recovery Service. That yeah. if you get a hard drive that gets corrupted for whatever reason, there's a decent chance they'll be able to get the stuff off it. Some of it might be a little corrupted, but they uh, they took a camera that had been in the ocean since like 2002 and managed to get pictures off of it. Bloody hell. It's amazing the stuff they can do. It just takes a while and can be expensive because it's that someone's day is trying to sort out your shit. Sometimes they have to like resolve the stuff together, but they will get it working again. Bloody hell. Yeah. Years ago, me, me but I don't know why I had this camera, but it was like a decent camera. And we always suck it on like holidays and stuff. And the always... holiday camera, standard. Yeah, he took it on holidays when he went V Festival, just any sort of like event. It, He'd take it and take photos. And he'd always put the photos on my dad's laptop. Because it was kind of like the family laptop. Yeah, yeah. Sam. And uh, my dad's just sent me, like, all the photos from it. And there's, like, thousands. Yep. From, like, holidays that I had ten years ago. I'm like, I forgot that these even existed. Yes. But I want to say, once every five years, my mum will go through... The picture album. Yeah. We'll just sit down, we'll have a look through the picture album, and she'll go, oh, this is what was happening that day. This happened there. It's kind of nice to go through and remember, like, things were different. It is a weird nostalgia trip. It's like, oh, I remember being happy then. What happened? You grew up. Yeah, like, zero <laughs> fucking worries in the world. Everything was fucking grand. What happened? Yeah. I look back at photos now when I was, like, back in college. I was like... Wow, that was easy, but I had literally no money. Literally, yeah. piss all money. I think... I used to get away with doing 16 hours a week. Really, really... One of the best memories that I actually have at college wasn't even in college. So it was the London Olympics. I... I was in London during the Olympics. Not to watch the Olympics, I went to the Harry Potter tour. <laughs> but we ended up in uh, London during the Olympics. Yeah. And I was coming back one day and I just turned 18 while the Olympics was on. Uh... And, um, yeah, I remember coming on one day on the bus and the stop before the one that I usually got off at was kind of the pub that we always went to to go and watch like football and stuff mm. with my stepdad. So I remember one day coming, coming home and the Olympics being, being on and just thinking, you know what? I've got, I think it was like a tenner on me. So mm. I'm just going to go into the pub, do some college work on my laptop and have a couple of drinks. I had like three drinks, did a bit of college work and watched the Olympics. And that is literally the only things that I remember from the Olympics going into don't even remember what I watched <laughs> literally don't remember what I watched I couldn't tell you what events were on that day I just remember going into the pub to do some college work I love those just those little memories where you're like just for some reason on a random day in the past you'll decide to do something you might not have normally done no and that is like a core defining moment that you just remember and you go I really enjoyed doing that. Because I've done that. Like, there was once, um, like, almost the exact same scenario. I uh, was headed home, but I'd forgotten my key. So I messaged my housemate, asked him if he's in. He's like, oh, no, I'm in Liverpool today. 
I message my other housemate and he doesn't respond. So I'm like, oh, right, fair enough. Uh, I'm not sure if he's in. So I got off the bus a couple of stops early and I went to Roper Hall. I'm going to sit down. Just happened to bump into my housemate and his girlfriend and her mate. I just sat there for like four hours having a nice time, having a drink, having a chat. Really nice day. Just had a nice day that time. Yeah, it's weird how that, that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like uh, the other day. Because uh, the place I was working at like two months ago shut down because they weren't making enough money. Uh, and we just hired a few staff like not long before that I really got on with. I got on with quite a few of them. And the other day, like just before lockdown hit again, we went to Ships and Giggles. It was like, oh, well, the food's free. And I want to support a business because I actually like Ships and Giggles. Yeah. So we went. And then all of a sudden, Marley walks in, the guy from my job. I'm like, oh, so we hung out with him. Yeah. For a few hours, and it was just a nice time. Yeah. One thing that I, well, started doing, like, before lockdown, obviously, I've not done it for a while now, but just going to the cinema by myself. It's one thing, because I used to have a motorbike when I lived at my mum's, and it was how I got to work. But I remember once sitting down, watching a Super Best Friends review of... Jurassic World, when that came out. Yep. Jurassic World came out, and I was watching their review. It got halfway through the review, and they said, all right, we're going to start talking spoiler territory now. So if you haven't seen the film, go watch it, and you can watch the rest of this afterwards. But if you don't care, carry on watching. So I checked the internet. I looked at view, went, oh, there's a show in, like, 20 minutes. So I just went. I just went and watched the film, and then came back and watched the rest of the review. Came home at, like, 11 at night. Like, having a vehicle... You have no idea how freeing it is. Especially when you're single. It's just... Oh, I want to go to blank place. Oh, well, I've got to check the bus times and I need to check when the last bus is so I can get home. I need to check this and that. No, it's... I go and then you come back straight away. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You're not reliant on anybody else for getting you somewhere. It is so freeing. Yeah, I can imagine. But, yeah, just... That going to the cinema. Because I don't actually mind having a bit of a walk. Like, I don't mind a 45-minute walk. Like, we work, hate walk, walking into work in the morning because I've got to get there for a certain time. Yeah. But coming over of an evening where I know that I don't have to rush to get home, don't mind it. If it's not pissing down, then I, I'm more than happy just to walk home. I uh, I walk to work now, and I know exactly how long it takes me to walk, and I always turn up about 10 minutes early. Even if I get the bus, I'll be 20 minutes early for work. Yep. And I get to work, and they go, oh, Carol, why, uh, why are you so early? I was like, well, if I'm not early, I'll be half an hour late. It's just yep. how it is. If I'm not here 10 minutes early, expect me to be late, because that's just how it works. Yeah. I got so cold with timing my walks into work that I could get in exactly on the dot when I was supposed to be there. Yep. Basically when working on the ground floor, if I was due to be there at eight o'clock, I would literally walk walk in between seven fifty nine zero zero and eight o'clock within like a minute and thirty seconds. Yep. And log in and sit down. I, because uh, I used to live near Evenham Park, and we both used to work at Tolketh Mill. And when I first when I first started there, I was always getting the bus. 
but then the bus became very unreliable, and also I became very poor. So I could no longer afford to get the bus. I could afford to get the bus, like, once a week. And that was sad. <laughs> so, um... Normally, in fact, I'm going to check on my phone, because I remember that walk being about 45 minutes. Avenham Park to Tolketh Mill. <coughs> Jesus, okay. don't die. I'm the best. Cardona yeah. Virus. All right. Avenham Park, walk into Tolketh Mill. That is a 40-minute walk. Yep. When I first started walking to work, I would always set off like, at least I'd set off an hour before I had to be there. Yeah. Because I liked having like a little bit of time after I get there, like have a smoke outside, then go in. I've got enough time. I just started setting up later and later every day. Literally every day it'd be like two minutes later. Two minutes later. Until I got that forty minute walk down to about nineteen minutes. Fucking hell. I marched. Like you know when you're in a rush, and you're walking faster, but you're not jogging. You're just walking really fast. Yep. And your shins hurt. Yep. That was my walk to work every day. I was <laughs> a fucking mess. That is one of the best memories that I have at work, working at Tulkworth Mill. Just me, you, and Liam walking back in. Oh, yeah. Back when Liam actually, like... Because he used to live in, like, Chorley, Leyland-ish. Yeah. So we'd get the train, and you'd get the bus, and I'd just walk home. Yeah. I do remember once, like, I was heading into work, and you rang me, and were like, oh, you're walking to work, because I'm getting the bus, and I'm nearly there. And I just waited at the Adelphi roundabout for, like, 15 minutes, because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm nearly there. And I was like, oh, where are you then? He's like, oh, I'm still on the bus. I'm like, fuck it, yeah, I'm going to be late. <laughs> no, I'm going to work. I'm not being late again. I don't remember that. I remember it. If I scroll back through our Facebook long enough, I'll go back to that fucking phone call. <laughs> No, I don't remember that at all. It's all fun and games. I was late so often at Tolketh Mill that it got to the point where if I was late again, I would have been sacked. So I walked all the way to work. I was like at the gates and I was like, oh, I do not have enough time to get into work and log in before I'm supposed to be there. So I walked home and called in sick. <laughs> because I could, ha I could have had another sick and gotten away with it. Jesus. It is. It was just a horrific place to work. Oh, yeah, it's just horrendous. And what, what actually cracks me up is, obviously, we still know people that still work there, and they're like, yeah, it's worse. <laughs> I'm like, how? It was the worst place that I've ever worked while I worked there fucking four years ago. <laughs> it's because, like, we got the benefit of it being, like, just open. Do you remember, like, the February... First February, like we started in like November, worked <coughs> through December, had Christmas, yeah. Then January, February hit, and in at the start of February, like enough people were off all the time because they didn't care that they said if you come into every shift you are scheduled for throughout February, we'll just give you a hundred quid. I remember that. Oh, that was. I remember it causing so many arguments and so many like. Little digs because, like, um, Claire, who we worked with, yeah, her daughter was sick, so she had to be off sick one day. And she was like, Oh, well, that shouldn't count because it's nothing that I can control. And she ended up like getting around it. 
But so many arguments around that. Like, so many arguments. But I got my 100 quid because I came in every fucking day. <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, I don't think I was in Red Man at that point, were No, it was the whole call centre. Well, the whole of our department. Yeah. Like, our whole post office that that was for. Yeah, apparently it's just got worse. I can't imagine how. Well, it's just how things, like, workplaces over the course of the time that they exist, they they just get more strict as it goes. They're never going to release something and decide it's okay. Things are only going to get more restrictive, so of course it's going to get worse. Yeah, that's true. New management doesn't come in and decide, oh yeah, that rule, yeah, solve that. We're going to make things easier on you. No. <coughs> Bloody hell. My tea is still seeming. Yeah, mine's still quite hot, to be fair. How is your tea? It's lovely. First couple of tea bags out of the, back, out of the box there. Lovely. Lovely. Pot like, very like. £5.50 a box. So it's not cheap. <laughs> Spent 10, 11 quid on tea bags the other day because I got them from fucking booze. Like an idiot. Because <laughs> you're a plebo. Oh, that, yeah. It's a nice tea. Yeah. Not too bitter. It's just... It's just there. That's mmm. I like that. It drives me up the wall when people drink, like, a cup of tea and they have it fairly weak with too much milk and, like, two sugars. I'm like, you're just drinking sweet milk, though. My, my dad's girlfriend's mum. Dad's girlfriend's mum. When you make her a cup of tea, you take an empty mug, you fill it with boiling water, you hold the tea bag, you dip the tea bag in for three seconds, then you remove the tea bag and throw it away. Not worse. Then you add like a good quarter of that cup is milk. Jesus. And she drinks that. I hate it. I hate it. I can't. My tea, the way I make my tea, like almost like no matter the size of the mug, it's gonna be two tea bags. Two tea bags, about half a teaspoon of sugar, and then half a teaspoon of milk. That's it. That's that's tea. Yeah. I'm not far off that. I'm like a little bit of milk. Like I just take, I don't measure my milk that I put in. I I think it's because at my old job we didn't get semi skimmed milk or anything, we got full fat milk. And full fat milk, if you put too much in, your tea tastes creamy. And I can't stand it. Yeah. So I got really used to, like, literally the tiniest little splash. The tiniest little dribble of milk. Yeah. Almost so, like the tea is still see-through. That is how I like my tea. And it's just from there, because we get skimmed milk now. Yeah. I only really have it in tea. like. So it makes no difference. But skimmed milk, it's hard to over-milk your tea. But Becca still manages. She still manages. Because she, she will do tea together and she'll pour some milk in my brew and go, oh, that's not enough milk, and pour more in thinking it's hers. Then I've got to drink a milky brew. <laughs> I because I'm. If you ever done that, I think there should be a word for it. Like, another you know, the schadenfreude, the German word for laughing at somebody else's misfortune. Yeah. If you ever woken up and you're kind of in a bad mood and you go, I'll make myself a cup of tea. But I've woken up just early enough. I can have a cup of tea before I set off to work. You make yourself a cup of tea and you pour too much milk in it. The first brew of the day, you pour too much milk in it and you go, oh, it's one of those days. I don't have enough time. 
and I don't care enough to make another one. I'm drinking this really milky bullshit cup of tea, and I'm going to have a bad day. That's just today now. It's got to the point with them sort of brews where I got a little bit too much milk in just leave my tea bag in. I do not put milk in until the tea bag's out. I've already thrown the tea bag away at that point. Because I don't like having to stir around the tea bag because I've ripped a tea bag before. And ripping a tea bag is worse than over milking it because then you've got a bitty brew. Yeah. Remember Kate McLaughlin? Stephanie? Yes, 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 yes. She puts in the milk first. And it's the only blight on an otherwise lovely person. Fucking idiot. <laughs> and she's made me a couple of brews. I've just had to just just accept it. I've just gone... I'm gonna have to I wouldn't. It. No, I wouldn't. I'd... I think I'm just going to have to be polite here and drink it, even though she's made this brew totally wrong. Oh, when you say first, do you mean like even before hot water? Yeah. Because before... that's the worst it can possibly be. Yeah. Because that's cooling down the water to the point where it's not going to properly brew your tea. Before the tea bag, before the water, before anything, she pours in milk. Then she's like, well, how else do you know how much milk to put in? I'm like, well... you put straight of the fucking tea! Yeah! I'm like, you put the tea bag in, you put the hot water in, brew it properly, tea bag out, Sugar in, then milk, and then you can measure how much milk you need by the shade of the cup of tea. Weirdly, actually, uh, science-wise, the best way to make a quick cup of tea is you still boil the kettle, do everything as you would do normal. So, tea bags in, pour the hot water over it, pop it in the microwave for 15 seconds. Just speeds up the process of brewing it, like letting it sit. So... Normally, if I actually want a proper proper cup of tea and I've got the time and I care, I'll leave it to brew for like a solid four or five minutes. Do you leave it or do you stir it? Leave it. I tend to leave it and then when I'm taking it out, squeeze it. Properly fucking squeeze it though. None of that, like, I'll just kind of take it out and slap it against the side. No, you've got to properly aggressively squeeze it to get all the flavour out. I keep meaning to buy, you can actually buy things on Amazon now yeah. that you can get the tea bag out and fucking squeeze it. Yep, yeah, uh, my brother had one. It was a, it was like, like a claw. Yeah. Claw where you pulled the plunger up and the claw opened and you got the tea bag. You let it go and then it was holding it and then it had a plunger as well and you pushed it down and it squeezed it out. Yep, yeah. I keep meaning to buy one of them, but I don't have enough brews at home to reasonably like invest in one of them. I used to drink like four or five cups of tea a day when I was at work. Yeah. And I've, now at most I'm having like one and it's in an evening. It's normally at like seven or eight o'clock. And I'll just be like, when I get up for a piss, I'll be like, do you want to brew? I'll brew up. Oh, yeah, I'll brew up. I find that what I drink depends on where I am. Like, I don't, I tend to drink, like, just juice or pop. When I'm at my dad's, I will have several brews. When I go to my grandma's, on arrival, you get a tea or coffee. My granddad knows which one you have. And you get it. That's how it works. You arrive, he gets up and he makes you a cup of tea or coffee, and he knows how you like it, and he makes it. That is the only drink you get. You'll be fair for like ten hours, and you're getting that one. Yeah. You don't get another one. <laughs> when I'm at home, I drink Coke Zero. It's just my standard go-to drink. 
that it's, it's just what I drink. Becca's like moved on to juice a little bit now, like squash. Yeah. And then maybe a brew in the evening. If I'm ever like on a video chat, I'll always get a cup of tea beforehand. So I've got some. I had apple juice the first time this week. Like the first time in about, I'd say five or six years. Apple juice is great. I forgot how good it is. And I think I'm going to get some pineapple juice. Pineapple juice? Um, Pineapple juice, I will like, water it down a little bit with lemonade because it can be a little abrasive on your tongue just depending on which one you get yeah if you get like a fairly high quality one it does hurt your tongue a little bit so i like to just a little bit of lemonade to soften it never tried it with lemonade it doesn't take like much of the flavor away and because it's lemonade it doesn't make it like massively sweet it just kind of softens how acidic it is okay same with like my mum. My mum never buys actual fruit juice. Apart from at Christmas, she gets she gets orange juice and she gets pineapple juice and a bottle of lemonade. So in the morning on Christmas, we'll have like orange juice, just like thinned out a little bit of lemonade. So it's got that little fizz to it as well. Yeah. I, get, I get it's weird, but like, it's just how things are. <laughs> I love them little like suggestions or that. Only your mum would do that. I've never heard anybody else say. Oh yeah, always have a, always have apple juice on Christmas morning. <laughs> you get what I mean, like no one else. Apple juice is so good, especially yeah. like I used to get one from uh, Aldi next to work. Uh, they sell a cloudy apple juice. It tastes like apple pie. Mm. It's so good. It's like it's a really cloud. It's cloudy but no bits. Yep. So good. It because there's a difference between apples and roasted apples. Like roasted apples have a different flavour. They're a little like a little bit sweeter and they've got more depth of a flavour. It tasted like roasted apple juice as opposed to just apple juice. It's so good. Yeah. Hey. I can love fruit juice. I forgot how much I like, because I'm, I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. I'm eating a lot of fruit now. Yeah. I forgot the fruit's good. I don't mind fruit, but I can't have bananas. Makes the roof of my mouth itchy. Probably allergic. Probably, yeah. Still like a banana every once in a while, though. <laughs> it's one of them things that I just think, I'm, I'm just going to have to suffer through this. Becca with pineapple. She, she's allergic to pineapple, but she loves pineapple. Yeah. She'll just eat it. She's like, oh, yeah, my my, my whole mouth is kind of hurting, but it's nice. Yeah, it, my, mine doesn't hurt. I just get, like, an itchy mouth, and then I just think, everyone, I don't like bananas enough to eat them all the time. Yeah. Regardless of the itchy mouth. But every once in a while, I go, yeah, I'll have a banana. I fancy a banana. For me, currently, um, uh, grapes are always good. Fucking love a grape. Like, I'll just eat a punnet of grapes easy. I will devour a punnet of grapes. No yep. problem. Uh, currently, it's apples. For for the longest time, I liked Brayburn apples. Because yep. they're a little more sour than your standard, like, Golden Delicious or Jazz apple. But I have realised, I had, like, a full bag over the course of last week, and by the end of it, I was like, the texture of this apple is just goes to mush really quick. Yeah. And you sat there, like, chewing on the skin. Which, I like apple skins, because they taste they're a little tartier than the rest of the apple, and it's a nice little yeah. mix-up, but Brayburn apples, they just go to mush real quick, so I'm on the jazz apples now. The two things that always remind me of my grandma, grandma's house, mm. for some reason, is pineapple juice, and I've still got the game at home, Simpsons Monopoly. I had Simpsons Monopoly. I lent it to my mum 
so she could take it to Beavers one night because they were having a Christmas party. And she wanted to have like board games so kids could play it. And she just lost all the bits. Like it was just thrown about. I was livid. I've still got mine at home. But I think apart from Monopoly, I'm not really into board games where I know you quite like them. I don't... I don't think you can justifiably say that you don't like board games. Because I don't think you've played enough board games to know. Because there are... there. No, honestly, I don't. I think <laughs> I think you've played the standards. You've played Mousetrap, you've played, like, Temptation, and you've played fucking Monopoly and maybe a few others. And you've decided board games aren't for you. There is such a wide range of board games out there that it's like saying you don't like video games. Maybe you just haven't found a good video game. Oh, I don't like films. What have you seen? Oh, I've not seen many. I don't like them. I feel like I've played enough board games to go, I really can't be bothered playing board games. Board games are great, especially if they're good ones. Like, uh, Talisman. Talisman's a great game. I've won every single time I've played. Fucking love Talisman. It's a nice... It's a nice mix of being able to like do your own thing and also fuck everyone else. Jesus. Well, you play D&D. Isn't that just a board game? No, and you're wrong. <laughs> it is a tabletop role-playing game and is a massive difference. I don't feel like there is. I feel to me like it's just a board game with a story that goes with it. But who wrote the story? I don't know, because exactly. I don't play it. I feel like you can just get books full of these stories. Well, you can, and that's an option, like Curse of Strahd. That's a whole vampire one. And that's what today's episode is really about, Dungeons and Dragons. Because I play it regularly. I play it like three times a week at this point. Because, you know, it's something to do. Yeah. Oh. T-sip. So what What do you currently understand about D&D? Not a right lot. All I realistically know about Dungeons and Dragons is you all have your own characters that y y you design or you make. Yep. And then someone tells a story. It, it's like a play along story type thing. And you have options. Realistically, all I know about D&D has come from Big Bang Theory. Okay, <laughs> so like not, not a great Footing for you to start with. Alright, you've played uh, Red Dead Redemption and yep. Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. Big open world. Yep. There are story missions that you can do that will progress the story, and there's other shit you can do. Mm -hmm. That is the crux of Dungeons Dungeon Dragons. D&D, that's essentially what it is. Okay. Boiled down, there you go. It is a big open world that the person who is referred to as the Dungeon Master, he's the person running the game, he or she, they're the person who decides what the world is like. How different is it from... For example, if me and you were playing with some other people, I could just go, okay, fuck it, it's Middle Earth. Okay. Boom. You have a common understanding of what the setting is, what the tone is. Yeah. How to feel about different races, blah, 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 blah. That's, like, the crux of it. The crux of it is it's like any other role-playing game, like any other computer game, really. It's like there's a story that, that is written by the DM, and you get to choose how you progress through it. Okay. 
like almost kind of like uh, you know choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Where it's oh you are in this situation do you go through this door do you talk to that person or do you do that? Turn to page blank to continue. I from what you've explained I feel like it's the board game equivalent of like Elder Scrolls. Exactly, pretty much, but it's not a board game. It's like that you can involve a board, but you don't have to. Okay. Another aspect of it, because you're playing with other people. Like, okay. you can play D&D one-on-one, but it's... A bit boring. It's very easy for one person to decide they win. Like, if the DM wants to, they throw too much at you and you die. Hooray, they win. It's like, there's no fun there. So you play with other people. And a lot of it, it's kind of like acting. It's like improv. It's like, you are put into a situation where you have chosen your character and what kind of character they are and their backstory. So you're putting yourself in their shoes and going, how would my character react in this situation? Yep. And you have skills appropriate to multiple things like, oh, are are you an elf that comes from the woods and you're really good at nature shit? And all of a sudden you're in a city and you don't really know what's going on. You're not going to be very good in that situation. So you play along with how you assume your character would do that. They'd be uncomfortable. They don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm going to go find a park and sit in a tree. And make myself comfortable again. Yeah. Because generally, though, it's like any other character in anything. When you decide, oh, I want... You could make Frodo, and it'd be really boring. But you could make Frodo if you wanted. You'd yeah. make a halfling who was shit at most things and could walk. Yeah. Like, I think... It's really, much like you were talking about last week, it's difficult to try and go into detail about stuff because you have, like, no basis of knowledge of what actually playing the game is like. Yeah. So let's just just play out. For example, you've decided on your character he is a human wizard or some shit. At the, episode one of, like, you're playing D&D, whatever. Oh, uh, you're sat in a bar... Because you're sat in a tavern because you've been wandering, you're heading towards such a city, and there is a mysterious cloaked man in the corner. And at that point, me, the DM, I'm like, oh, I hope he goes and talks to this mysterious man in the corner, because that's where the quest is, and then he's going to have stuff to do. Yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, <laughs> you can go, oh, I leave, and I'm traveling to the city now. Like, okay, that's fine, you can do that. Now the mysterious cloaked man is going to follow you and fucking kill you. Because you <laughs> well, it is. Re- I honestly don't know where to start with D&D. Because it is. It's the kind of thing where you need to experience it fully understand it. And until you like have experienced it, you don't understand what kind of game it is. Yeah. Like. It's acting with maths. That's it. That has automatically just put me off the game. <laughs> Screw maths. When that, you say maths, do you just mean it's you there's dice involved? There are dice involved. So, like you've made your character, you've rolled up your stats, and yeah. you know that let's let's stick with the elf, because that's a standard like understanding everybody knows elves come from the woods and they're a bit fancy and they hate everyone. Boom, that's an elf. Let's say you're playing an elf archer and 
you're going to be really good at nature stuff. Like, you've lived in the woods all your life. You know how to track an animal. You, yeah. can, you don't really need to buy food. If you're in the woods, you can find something to eat. You're yeah. going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So, you've got stats that apply to different things. Like, you have your strength, which is fairly self-explanatory. You've got dexterity, which is how good you are at, with, your, with your hands. Yep. How dexterous are you? How good are you at stabbing someone in just the right point? Like, knowing exactly how their armor works so you can stab them in the armpit or something like that. How good are you at picking locks? You have your constitution, which refers to how much health you have and how resilient you are in general. Like, you can take a hit, you could be poisoned and probably be okay. Yeah. Then you've got intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Charisma is how smoothy you are, how manipulative you can be, how pretty you are as well. Yep. So, and then you've got all your skills. So, again, the elf is like, oh, uh, we're trying to track this animal. And you go, okay, well, I'll, I'll do a nature check. And nature, as a skill, you may have a plus four, for example, because you're pretty good at naturey shit. And then you'll also add your wisdom bonus, because you are wise, you've experienced this kind of stuff day in, day out, all your life, so you get another plus four. You'll take a d20, the d referring to die, as in dice, yeah. 20 as in how many sides it has, and you'll roll it. So you get a 15, you have a plus eight in nature, because you're really good at nature stuff and you're pretty wise and you do this all the time, so you add eight, you get 23 you can track that animal no problem. Like, D&D, a lot of people think it's really complicated, like, there's loads of maths. It's like, no, it's just the same maths regularly. Yeah. A lot of the fun comes from, uh, oh, I want to stab this guy in the neck, and you absolutely fuck up. You have to play along with the fact that you just fucked up. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to sneak up behind this guy, he's not seen me coming, I'm on my own. I'm going to shoot an arrow at him in the knee, and then you fuck up massively. You have to play along with the fact that you just fucked up. Your character thinks he's a super cool guy, and he completely failed. <laughs> and then everybody else gets to laugh at you because you're, like, dog shit. And yeah. everybody else has to come save you, and now you have to decide how you're playing it. Am I playing it as, like, oh, yes, this was my plan all along? Ha-ha. Or do you just accept that you're absolute dog shit and that you need teammates? Yeah. But do you have any questions about DD? Because I've, I've chatted for quite a while now and it is it is difficult to explain because I don't know, like your understanding is very minimal, but. Yeah. So the quest that you're on at the moment, is it like a new quest each time you play? Or is it kind of the same quest that you're doing, but over multiple times that you're playing it? Okay. Think of it. Like, let's treat Lord of the Rings, for example. Let's take Lord of the Rings and boil it down to how it would work in a D&D setting. Okay. The aim of it is you are playing Frodo, and a big, strong wizard man comes up and goes, here's a ring, throw it in Volcano. Yep. That is, it's referred to as a campaign, a D&D campaign. Yep. The campaign is the overarching what the premise is. Yep. The premise is throw that ring in a volcano. All right. 
So maybe uh, first game you're playing, game one. Yep. You and Sam and Merry and Pippin go to a pub. Yep. So you would get to roleplay, oh, how are we going to get there? Oh, do we go and buy some horses and get there quicker? Or do we take our time? Are we sneaky about it? Oh, uh, you get attacked by some ring wraiths. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Okay. You decide to try and hide. You all successfully hide under a tree. You have avoided that encounter. You don't have to fight them. And if you had to fight them, you would have died. You eventually get to the pub. You get to the Prancing Pony. Merry and Pippin, in their infinite wisdom, decide to go and get drunk. Yep. Frodo and Sam don't. They chill out for a bit. So they're sober, Merry and Pippin aren't. All of a sudden, you get introduced to the mysterious man in the corner, who's in a cloak and looks a bit shifty. He's called Strider. How do you deal with this situation? Yeah. You ignore him, you go to bed. He comes and finds you. Maybe that is the first episode of what you're playing. You're doing a whole lot of role-playing, you're talking to other people in character, maybe trying to get some information about where you are, what there is to do. Is there a mysterious monster that comes and kidnaps people in the night that you're going to have to deal with? Depends what you are looking for when you're playing. Okay. Are you just looking to fight people all the time and be really good at fighting? Are you looking for some kind of mystery? that you want to uncover? Are you looking to better yourself in some way? Are you trying to get revenge on someone? Because when you write your character, it's a really good idea to leave a few blanks. But, oh, um, I'm a wizard who uh, traded his daughter off to some devil to gain powers, to learn some information. Yeah. And now I'm, I feel I'm strong enough to go and Kill that devil and get my daughter back. That could be your character's story. Yep. So you got we talk to your dungeon master, the guy running the game, and go, "Oh, uh, this is the kind of thing. This is his backstory." And then your DM goes away. And he's like, "Okay, I can, I can shoehorn that in as and where, and give you little, like you specifically little droplets of information that go, oh, I, I'll keep track of that because I, I want to hunt this devil down. That's my personal quest that I want to deal with." But I also want to help everybody else out with the main one, which is throw a ring in Volcano. So it's almost like you've got the, the side quests for the overall exactly. campaign. Like, so all of the characters involved, their main thing is throw ring in Volcano. Yep. Oh, but Merry actually wants to become a knight. He feels that he's not fulfilled his life as much as he could do otherwise. He really wants to get into something else. He wants to do something more fulfilling. Yep. So his side story, like they're still progressing the story by throw ring in volcano, but other things happen along the way. It's not a straight direct line. It's referred to as railroading. Yep. Which is where say for examples like oh Keith, um there's three ways you can go from the Shire. You can go to this city, you can go to this pub. Or you can go uh, this way to this other little village. Where do you want to go? To the city. Oh, I'm really sorry the city burned down. Oh, shit. How did that happen? A uh, dragon. A dragon? Oh, dragon right. happened. Uh, which way do you want to go? There's, so there's the pub or the village. Uh, we'll, we'll go to the pub. Oh, you go to the pub. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'm Because that village also set on fire. Oh, did it? Same dragon, is it? 
No, a different one. It's the <laughs> dragon's baby son. He uh, didn't mean to. Small, Smog's little cousin. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's referred to as railroading. That's me, the DM, the storyteller, as it were, going, this is where we're going. You're yeah. going to do this. These are the three options, but realistically... There's realistically, there's one option. It's... That's the difference between writing a big open-world story where you can kind of... I could write it where, say, like, you're going to play Borderlands. A little bit, not a right lot. The way Borderlands does side quests is it's literally a bulletin board of, like, bounties. Yep. So it's, okay, the of the NPCs, the non-player characters, that's where the term NPC comes from in video games. Yep. Uh, they're going to tell you, like, the actual main story bit. They're going to tell you oh, there's this guy over here and he has more information for you when you get there. Yeah. So, you know, that's a story B. Okay. Oh, but actually, I talked to this witch in the pub and uh, she said that there's this, like, lost treasure in the woods. So I kind of want to do that first. So you go do that first. That's fine. Yeah. It's really hard to explain what, why d and fun without, like, doing it. Yeah. Like, do you ha- do you have more of an understanding than when you went in? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's something that I probably wouldn't play as often as you. Hmm. I think it is something that I would, if you kind of, oh well, we'll, we'll do like one com- campaign, and we'll we'll do it like once a week. But I don't want to do it like a massively long one and then right. probably leave it for a couple of months and then pick it back up. And... There are things referred to as one-shots where initially when I first decided I was going to run a game, I had an idea for a single adventure. Yep. So a campaign is the whole story that could take years or months or however long and how often you play. Could take a year to finish. Uh, playing once a week, playing once a month, whatever. Your campaign is the big overarching story. And within that, you've got adventures. So it's the difference between a series and an episode. Yep. So it could be, as a like Keith, you have like a passing interest in D&D. You want to see what it's about. You want to kind of get into it. Have a think. And then I go, okay, well, we'll do a one-off. We'll do a one-shot. We'll write write you up a character so you can get an idea of what it's like. And we Mm. will do a solo adventure that doesn't tie into anything else. It is a solo little adventure for a group of misfits to go and have a go. Yep. So it doesn't have to be a big, great deal, great deal, big thing. Like a lot of people, they do a Halloween one shot. So they're like, oh, specifically a horror game. This one's going to be a little spookier than normal. Let's do a Halloween game because it's the season, for example. Yeah. Or even a Christmas one because Christmas can be fun. Yeah. Fair enough. It does sound fairly interesting, but. How into it that I get, I don't know. But even with, like, games, I'm so inconsistent. Like you mentioned before, Red Dead. Yeah. I'll have, like, a week or two where I tend to play it a lot. I want to play it a lot. But then I don't touch it for a couple of months. And that's my thing with D&D, that there'll be, like, a a window in time where I want to do it. Practically every night for a couple of yeah. hours. Well, that's, it's kind of one of the benefits of D&D. It's a benefit and a curse because you can't play every night. 
It's just not the way it works. Yeah. Because, like, when I say I play three times a week, that is, I play it, I run it on Mondays, so I run a game on Mondays that's a story. My brother runs it on Tuesdays, where he has his own story that he's running and it has different players. Yep. And then Thursdays, Mike runs it and has his own story that he's running. Yep. So, even if you wanted to play every single night, you don't get to. Because you're reliant on other people. Like, it could be, there's like, oh, we'll, uh, we'll have our game on Friday nights. Yep. So, we just have to make sure everybody's free Friday nights. And because you're not playing it, like, every day, you don't get the same burnout, it takes a lot longer to get bored of it. And even when you do get bored of it, you're just like, oh, we'll, we'll leave it for a couple of months and we'll come back to it later. Yeah. Come back to it at a later date, have another bash at it, see how it goes. Does it tend to happen when you're playing it that, like, the odd person will go, I'm kind of bored of playing it. I'm probably going to have, like, a couple of months off and then come back in the same campaign? You can. You can do that. The issue there is... Because there's a few different ways. You can... Because you level up in D&D and you become better at the, the character type that you are wanting to be. You get better at being a wizard or rogue or whatever. And yeah. you upgrade yourself in the things that you want to be better at. There's a few ways of doing that. It's either you keep track of everything you kill and their XP values and you keep track of everything and then you level up according to actual like numerical values. Like, oh, I got to 5,000 XP, I'm level 4 now. Yeah. You can do it like that. Or the way that me and my brother and Mike do it, we go, okay, you've had like three adventures now, you can level up. Okay. If someone does leave for a bit and come back, do you just let them level up as normal? Do you keep them the same level they were? So they're going to be like massively underleveled compared. So they're going to have less health and less options and they're just going to be worse off. Generally, if one person's not feeling it, it's better to everyone drop it for a bit. Yeah. Everyone drop it. We'll come back in like three months hopefully feeling refreshed, and we'll see how things go from there. Yeah. If multiple people aren't having fun, maybe it's just not well written or it's not the kind of adventure they were looking for. They were looking for something a bit more political and sneaky, and what they're actually playing is just a lot of like little fights, and they weren't looking for that. They were looking for more mystery. So yeah. then the DM can go away and go, okay, well, if we leave it for a bit, when we come back, uh, I can either change the story a bit and we can end up a little more in the mystery aspect like you were hoping for or we can just start something new yeah so the one that you and your brother and your friend do is it the same campaign entirely different so you've got th at the moment you've got three different campaigns yes running. yes right. okay that makes sense so i'm running one i have my own story in my head that i'm running people through my brother has one that is quite new. It's only like we've only played it like six or so times. Yep. And that's that's actually a good example of um when we all wrote characters for that, I went quite in depth. I went for something that I've not really done before. Because another aspect of this is say you're playing a fighter. Fighters, they 
do fighting. That's what they do. They get a few attacks a turn. They can use pretty much any weapon. They have decent hit points. Their whole thing is they hit things. Yeah. You could play that character for a while and decide, ooh, actually, I'm not really feeling the whole fighter thing. I'd like to get into magic a bit because I feel like I'm missing out. I'd yeah. like to do magic. You can't, unless your DM says it's okay, but that's a whole other thing. You can't just go, oh, well, I want to be a wizard now. You've yeah. got a couple of options. You can either, okay, I want to get rid of the character I'm playing because I'm not really having fun playing him. I feel like I'm, they, they're not going the same direction I was hoping they'd end up. I'm just not having fun with the combat. Yeah. And you could go to DM. do you mind if I, uh, I get rid of this character and bring in a new one? Because mm -hmm. I think I'd just have more fun playing a wizard. Or you can go, oh, my character is uh, getting a bit bored with what he's doing now. Next level up, he's going to level up into wizard. So you can be a fifth level fighter and also a second level wizard. So you're not very good at your wizardy stuff yet, but you have all the fighting expertise that you previously had. So you can still do all the fighting. It's just you've got a little bit of magic to back up what you're missing out on. Basically Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> exactly. Gandalf is not a full wizard. He's definitely got a bit of... Bit of fighter in there. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. So what are the different characters and... Well, not characters. Classes. Classes. Classes, uh, your standard ones that have pretty much been there since the beginning. Although in D&D First Edition they were called weird stuff like Magic User. And Dwarf was a class as opposed to a race. So... Uh, essentially, you have Barbarian. They get angry and hit things. So okay. the, the thing that Barbarians have is they have a thing called Rage. You have so many Rages per day, and when you go into a Rage, you do more damage with your attacks, yeah. and you take less damage from being hit. Okay. That's their whole jam. Okay. They get angry... They do more damage and they take less damage. That's what they do. Next up would be a bard. Bards are support characters. Did you watch The Witcher? Yes. Uh, what's his name? The the sing the bard the singer. The singer, yeah. That is a bard. Bards have a little bit of magic, and they're there to buff everybody else. So they generally have in an instrument. That's how they cast their magic. And they will buff other people. They'll make other people a little bit better. So they're like kind of a, a support character. Jack of all trades. They're... That is a literal thing they have. It means that at any skill, they're kind of okay to... They're never going to be great at any particular thing. Exactly. They're going to be okay at pretty much everything and make everybody around them... Yes, they're, re they're kind of handy, especially if you have... Because you've got DPS, you've got the damage per second people that are barbarians and wizards and sorcerers and fighters. Specifically, like, sorcerers, fighters, barbarians. They are the ones that they're there to do damage. They are there to hit things, and they're there to make things dead. Okay. Then you've got your support classes, like cleric. A cleric is a... Okay, to go into it just a little bit more, you have your arcane casters, which cast the magic-y magic. Yep. Like the magic that comes from intelligence or being passed down, like bloodlines and stuff. Okay. 
And then you have the holy priesters, like clerics. They get their powers from their god. Okay. They they tend to be more healers. Yeah. They still have offensive magic, but they're there to heal other people. Mm-hmm. And paladins can do the same. They have a thing called lay on hands, which is boom, you you healed a little bit. I'm not gonna heal you a lot, I'm gonna heal you so you can carry on more than actually properly heal. Yeah. So bards pretty good, but they're not pretty good. They're okay at everything. Yeah. And you can specialize a little bit, be better at like something. Yeah. Uh, after that, it'd be fighter, fighter. They get multiple attacks. They hit things. They can use any weapon. They can have whatever armor they want. They are combat specialists. That's what they do. Yeah. No magic. Well, some of them can have a little magic, but generally. They're not faffing around with anything else. They are hitting things with a sword. Yeah. That's what they do. But let's actually just go through the book. So what's Rogue. The, what's the difference between a wizard and a sorcerer? The way magic works in Dungeons & Dragons, as you level up, you gain access to more higher level spells. Yep. When you first gain access to, I think it's third level spells, that's when you get Fireball. If you're a wizard, I think you can cast, like, two third-level spells. Yeah. Wizards have access to all of the spells in the book. Literally all of them. They can cast any spell within their spells. They can cast any wizard spell they want. Yeah. But every day, they make a, a small list of the spells they can cast that day. Okay. Sorcerers can only know a set amount of spells. So out of their entire list of spells that they could possibly learn, they go, okay, I want that, 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 and that. Yeah. They can cast those every day. As much as they want. That's a different that's a different thing. Okay. It is a it is a thing called Vancian casting. Whereas in video games and stuff you have a mana bar. Yeah. Where you go, okay, uh, with my mana bar I can cast this big spell twice or I can cast this little spell like 15 times. Mm-hmm. The way Vanzian casting works is you have spell slots. So you can cast five first level spells, uh-huh. two second level spells, and one third level spell, for example. Yeah. Once you have cast that one third level spell for your day, you can't do that again until you have a long rest. Okay. That's how it works. You have slots that you use up by casting spells, as opposed to a mana bar that just depletes by however many points a spell costs. So, wizards can cast whatever spell they want, but they have to have written it down at the start of the day. Yeah. And then they can cast it. Sorcerers can cast any spell they know, yeah. but again, according to how many spell slots they've had, they have. Okay. Clerics are holy wizards, basically. They're a little bit better in combat, but they are holy wizards. They prepare their spells every day. They go, okay, out of all the spells that I know, uh, I know I'm going into a desert, I'm going to take uh, create water. Yep. So that they're not going to like die of heat stroke. Paladins are pretty good at combat, and they are essentially holy sorcerers. Mm-hmm. They go, okay, I know these spells. But they're also not bad in combat. They're like a good middle ground between caster and fighter. 
Mm-hmm. Warlocks. The, the okay, so wizards. They put all the effort in. They learned for a long time. They learned how to cast spells. They're really smart. They put the effort in. They did all the learning. Sorcerers. Army, granddad's a dragon. All comes from the bloodline. Okay. That kind of thing. Like, it's a bloodline thing. That's where it comes from. Warlocks. Warlocks walk up to a devil and go, Hi, uh, you have my soul now. I would like the magics. They traded something for magic powers. Okay. Warlocks can cast very few spells. They have a good list of spells, but they don't have many spells per day. Okay. They, They don't have many spells per day, but it's always cast at the maximum level. So certain spells could do... Okay, you cast this spell as a first level spell, like a magic missile or whatever. It's like, oh, you do D10 damage. If you cast it as a second level spell, you do 2D10 damage. Third level spell, 3D10. So you can cast things at a higher level than you need to to get more out of it if you wanted to. Like healing especially. Healing is the kind of thing, oh, I'm going to cast a fifth level healing word just to do more healing. Yeah. That tends to be how it works. So warlocks, they can't cast much a day, but it's always cast as a maximum level. Yeah. So there's some benefit. There's some benefits, there's some downsides. Warlocks are a bit weird. Uh, Rogues, their whole thing is being sneaky. So if they manage to catch you off guard, they are getting massive sneak attack damage. That is their jam. That is what they do. They sneak and they stab. Yeah. That's what rogues do. Druids are the other kind of magic user. Generally, they're doing shape-shifting. They're turning into a bear and ripping your face off. But they have nature magic. Okay. So it's a little different to a cleric. There's, there's a... There's some overlap because they, they tend to do a bit of healing as well, but their main thing is I, I'm going to turn into a bear and I'm going to bite your face. That, that's my stick. I'm going to turn into a bear and eat your face. Okay. I think that's more or less all of them covered. Monks. Uh, not like Western monks with the shaved head and the like let's churches. Do, let's do yoga. More the yoga kind. It's, okay. I'm going to punch you, and I'm going to punch you again, and I'm going to punch you again, and I'm going to punch you again, then I'm going to hit the stick. They get they get a thing called Flurry of Blows, which is, in this one attack, I'm just going to hit you a lot. That's, that's what they do. They can either go that I'm just going to punch you really good, and I'm going to continue punching you really good, or they can go a little bit mad with you. Okay. So they have that option. I think that's uh, that's more or less all. There are other classes that come in other books, but they're a little more complicated and like just not worth explaining, yeah. honestly. So, with the current campaigns that you are on at the moment, how far you complete? How how far are you away from completing each of them? Uh, I know how close I am in mine because I'm writing it, and we're probably about halfway through. Because in D and D, in D and D fifth edition specifically, because other ones are different, twentieth uh, level is your max level. Yeah, that's the highest you can get to, mm-hmm. unless your DM wants to write a whole lot of shit. 
But realistically, 20th level, that's it. Yep. So in my campaign, everyone's uh, just in the ne- at the end of the next adventure, they're going to hit 10th level. So we're about halfway through. Yep. In my friend Michael's campaign, we are at, I think, 5th level. But he's going slower than I am. Because he's run he's run it a lot more. He knows how to space things out. Like, we did one adventure and it took us one actual night to finish. Yep. We did the next one and it took three. The last one that we played took, like, ten. Okay. Just to get through. So, the... The time between level ups is getting longer and longer, so it's probably gonna, it's probably going to be a few years before we finish, honestly. And my brothers, it's only just started. We've leveled up once. Yeah. So that one is going to it's uh, going a very different route. It's dramatically different from mine or Michael's. It's interesting. Fair enough. And what what are your campaign? If you can explain the three campaigns, what are they? Um. What's the end goal of each of them? What characters have you picked? In mine, in the campaign that I'm running, the gist of it is each one of the players is approached by a man (laughs) who says, I need your assistance retrieving some items of mine. If you are to help me, I will give you something that nobody else can. And they have made an agreement with this man It's like, okay, you do me a favour. Could just be they want a shitload of money. Mm -hmm. They're going to get something out of it at the end. There is a benefit to them. Yep. So they are trying to retrieve these items and using them if necessary to obtain more of these items. Okay. My brother's adventure, don't really know yet. Don't really know what's going on. It's a little too early to have, like, cottoned onto the mystery. But the character I'm playing in that is... A warlock paladin uh, multi-class. So a warlock, so he is... The way that paladins work is generally they say to a god, I'm going to devote myself to you and you're going to give me powers based on what you do. So if you're a healy heal god, I'm going to get like healing powers, basically. Plus other offensive magic. Generally, I'm going to be a healy paladin. I'm going to be a goody two-shoes. Okay. So my character is a little awkward because he has sold his soul and made a deal with something to get warlock powers. But he's also devoted to a god. Yeah. So he's kind of like split between, oh, who do I, who do I, a a little uh, devil angel on uh, either side. Yeah. It's like, oh, who am I going to listen to this time? That kind of, that was my idea going in with him. In my other game, in the one that Michael's running, the gist of that is uh, we were all imprisoned and we managed to escape and we fell through a portal all together. So we end up sticking together just because we all kind of want to know what's going on because it's a little weird. Yep. We went on a little adventure for uh, the mayor of this town and my character smashed a crystal that then exploded and now we all have a little bit of crystal inside of all of us. And it sort of like hums when we're near weird stuff. Okay. So that's where we're going with that. We're just trying to find out 
more about this this weird crystal because in Mike's game, just we go into this cave and all of a sudden the rock just like straight line as if somebody had taken a jigsaw piece out and replaced it with another one. The rock just changes and all of a sudden it's like you're in a castle. So a bit of this castle has been teleported into this rock and we don't know why or what's going on. That was where we found that crystal that exploded and yeah. now we're all... And it's emitting like the kind of energy that you would get from like a holy temple. So we don't know what kind of god is related to this crystal, but it's weird. Yeah. So that's where we're going with that. Then. But again, Michael's is going a lot slower than mine is because he knows how to space out a game. Mine is just ending up just going a little quicker because I want it to be a lot more episodic. Yeah. I want mystery to be going on, but also kind of know where you are at any given time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like a lot though. Oh, and my character in Mike's game is a barbarian. Okay. He is a very happy-go-lucky, helpful barbarian. He he likes crafting, and he just likes to help people. Fair enough. Right, you want to call it there then? Yeah, we'll uh, leave it there. Maybe I'll go into, I'll think about it. And maybe go into more detail another time and actually try and explain what goes on day to day in play because it is complicated. Yeah. There's a lot going on, and I've like. I've explained kind of what goes on, but also explained nothing. Yeah. Like, I, I could have gone into detail about how you cast a spell, but nobody really cares. Unless you're actually going to like get into it, you don't care how it works. Yeah. I think that's going to be like a common thing throughout the podcast, that obviously this is only the second episode, so we've only done kind of one each. Yeah. But I don't think... I think we should probably come back back to things because obviously yeah. there's stuff still happening in football that you know kind of will like bring up and explain to you yeah. what's going on why it's happening yeah well uh there's a new D book coming out like coming out over here in december that is actually changing stuff like it's adding new rules that optional rules that you can bring in that do change stuff quite dramatically so i can always go into that at a later date and explain how it changes things yeah. Because it, I find it interesting, and that's kind of the point. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, see you in a bit. Yeah. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.